Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hey, Sal. Hey, mate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. In a new space, which feels nice. We bloody lovely. Thanks. How did your move go? Oh, my God, wait. (laughs) Lots of things happened, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it went well. It went well. Um, Yeah, it was just, it's just crazy how much you accumulate, right? Like, even though we were in a one-bedroom apartment before, it's like, how have I got this amount of shit um but it took us yeah it took us a few days we're in now I feel like the space is kind of we've made it our own so yeah it's nice feels good you're funny you're like I'm feeling really overwhelmed is this normal when you move house I'm like yes like it is the worst (laughs) and hey let's not forget I thought I misplaced my mum's ashes so so glad they're with me (laughs) they're behind me on the bookshelf oh is she on the bookshelf (laughs) Rose is in the room Yeah. We we hope you guys are all okay and had a good Easter. Easter's a weird time of year for me. It's the last time that I saw my mum alive when she came to visit me in Easter 2019 over here in Oz. So lots of like like lots of memories, like happy ones, but then a few pangs, griefy pangs, real mixed emotions, you know. I think sometimes these festive kind of not festive that's Christmas isn't it festive wrong <laughs> time of year so like, happy Easter <laughs> yeah you know it's that kind of these these seasonal holidays. seasonal holidays they they can they can really bring stuff up for a lot of people can't they and like they Absolutely. can be great but it was yeah it was mixed it was like lots of reflection not, not constant tears um but more sort of like a mix of like happy memories and then and then the missing yeah. Yeah. I kind of felt the same. I, I kept thinking back to a time, I think probably the last Easter I spent with my mom and I was pregnant and we just did like a little Easter egg hunt for my nephew. And just, I just was, it was gutting me that I never got to do that with yeah. Layla, with my mom, just have a little Easter egg hunt, you know, just those little things. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking a lot about that, <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it is, I think it is a time of re- reflection, any, any holiday time or when things are going on, like you start thinking and, and trying to picture your life and what it would look like if they were still here and getting Definitely. sad that they're not. And yeah. I think I, I did, we did a little Instagram story um, around like, you know, just checking in, see how everyone's doing this Easter. And quite a lot of people came back and were like, yeah, I'm feeling a bit, a bit flat, a bit griefy, um, a bit griefy which is understandable. It's a big mm. time of, yeah, big time for reflection. So hope yeah. you guys are all doing okay. I had a big shower cry on Easter Sunday. Did <laughs> you? The first shower cry I've had in ages actually. Yeah. Yeah. It felt good to get it out, but it wasn't like a grief session. It was like a sh- Like I purposely was like, okay, just cry. Come on in the shower. I just find it really cathartic crying in the shower. Like I know shower crying is a thing, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was good to get it out. I feel like showers are like that time when you actually sort of like you stop, right? You're like, you're yes. not rushing around. Like, and, and that's when things come to you. I know you always have ideas for the podcast and like, you're always like texting me your my shower time. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Shower so time is my time. It's like <laughs> your, your, your griefy, your griefy place as well. It's probably the only fucking place I don't have my toddler in there, <laughs> yeah. like demanding things. Although sometimes she does try and come in the shower with her clothes on. I'm like, just no, just give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> so yeah, probably is the only time I get to myself is when I'm in the shower, to be honest. And we've also got some exciting things happening on our end, haven't we? So before we jump into who um, today's guest uh, guests are, not guest actually, guys, got a bit of a different one for you today. Oi, but oi, we, oi. <laughs> oi, our affirmation cards are launching next week on your mum's birthday in, which feels very special. Yes. Um, 
So I love guys, that though, because we we launched the we launched the podcast on your mom's birthday, and now we're launching our affirmation cards on my mom's birthday. So yeah, it feels like a the right special day to do it, and we are so bloody excited for you guys to finally be able to get your hands on these. We've been working really hard on them behind the scenes um, with one of our community members, Tilly, who's illustrated them all. They're absolutely beautiful, and we're so excited, aren't we? We we really are, and like affirmations really helped us during like difficult days when we were feeling extra griefy just having a little bit of like extra kind of support so we wanted to create something that was inspired by you guys um, but also create something with one of our community members Tilly so there are going to be available on our Instagram shop and our website we'll put all the links in the show notes but definitely if you're looking for a griefy gift for yourself or maybe for a friend who's going through a difficult time then these are these are probably going to be pretty good and we're yeah we really hope you like them we're so excited to bring them to the world a griefy gift I love that (laughs) so today as Sal mentioned we do have a bit of a different app today we are interviewing two people and I personally have been really looking forward to releasing this interview it's one of those conversations where I just felt like we could have kept talking for hours Sal tell us who we are talking to today so today we're talking to Nikki Saar and Nick Kelly Their stories are incredibly inspiring and it's so hard to summarize them, but in short, I'll give it a go. Nikki's partner, Mike, died from cancer in January 2018 and Nick's wife, Nicole, died from a rare form of cancer in 2020, leaving Nick to be a single parent to their young son, Xander. And since Mike's passing, Nikki has founded her company called My Muse, which is doing really important work in changing how cancer is seen and managed in the workplace. We cover so much um, ground in this chat, including both of their personal stories in more detail. Um, But some of the things we talk about is like how to navigate the dating scene, managing feelings of guilt, and also dealing with other people's opinions and expectations after the loss of a partner or spouse, which it can be really tricky. Yeah, we both learned a hell of a lot. And so whether you are the person grieving or you're supporting a recently widowed parent, family member or friend, share this episode, guys, as I think it is just one of those episodes that can teach us all a little thing or two. It's a brilliant conversation. So let's jump in and enjoy, guys. So Nick and Nikki, welcome to the podcast. It is so good to have you join us. And look, I'm not going to lie, we did cry a little bit at your story because it is so moving and so powerful. And we'll get into it as we kind of chat. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We're really happy to have you. We're happy to be here. Yes. For sure. It's our first time having an interview together as well. So yeah, let's see how it goes. (laughs) That's great. The microphone. Oh, that's not (laughs) You guys will be great. And the topic of finding love again after loss, after the loss of a partner is something that many of our listeners have reached out to us about. So we are, we are excited to be covering this topic because there's so much to it. And it's something that they may be navigating or they may be supporting a family member who is ready to take that next step to find love again, which we know can be quite daunting. And yeah, we'd we'd love to get your insights on all things finding love after loss. And we are so sorry for your losses first and foremost. And thank you for taking the time to come and share your love story with us because I think it's so important for people to know that you can find love again after mm. such unimaginable loss. And your story of how you met is quite serendipitous, isn't it? <laughs> so you initially um, connected on a dating app and got talking and then planned to meet for a coffee. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then COVID happened and you didn't end up meeting up. But then a year later, you connected again on another dating app and decided to meet for that overdue, co- overdue coffee and then things sparked. So we would love to know from you two, how did you both know when the time was right to start dating again? And was it something that you deliberated on or did it happen sort of organically? Nikki, do you want to start? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think for me, it was something that I really did sit on for a while. Um, It was a discussion that I'd had with Mike quite early on um, when we knew that he had terminal cancer, that... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what was life going to look like for me afterwards? And it 
was I think it was just that I needed to be comfortable in myself and comfortable telling the story um, as to what what had happened um, before I felt that I was right to actually start dating again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, you know, it was, and it was a process. I would meet people and go on dates. And I think it was when people didn't actually even acknowledge that, you know, Mike was my, my late partner, um, that that's when I was kind of just like, oh, okay, on to the next one kind of thing, because they just w- wouldn't be comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then for me, I, I think, yeah, so I don't think there's ever like a right time. It's whenever you're comfortable and it's going to be each individual, right? You're not going to set a specific time frame. Uh, for me, it was actually, it was, it was pretty soon after Nicole passed. I'd also, like Nikki, had had conversations with Nicole. Um, she uh, sort of took on, when she was diagnosed with cancer, just sort of hit it front on and um, confronted what was coming and made us all sort of confront what was what was coming. And so we'd had very open and honest conversations about what that what my future and Xander's future would look like without her. And so that sort of gave me comfort and that's how I got comfortable dating again was I, I would all, often sit there and say, well, hang on, what would Nicole say? And mm-hmm. that got me through it. Um, but it was, you know, within a few months of Nicole passing, I was sort of found myself at 2 a.m., I think, downloading a, a dating app. We'd been together 17 years. I'd never used one of these apps before. Within a few weeks, I was a bit over it, you know. Um, but, you know. It's we, a different world of dating it's a very, nowadays, very isn't it? different world, very different world. And so I think, um, but I remember sitting there and I found myself sort of setting up a profile. And I just had this moment of, you know, guilt came over me and was like, this, you know, it's too soon. Hang on. Like, what? just because you can't sleep, this isn't the thing to be doing. And it's sort of then, you know, the mind games start, start playing. I think it was interesting with Nick's profile. Like I'd, I'd been on dating apps for a little while, um, but Nick actually stated that he was a widow um, or a widower on there. And that was something that was, especially with what I do for my business and mm-hmm. things like that and being very open and vulnerable about, you know, my past life and losing my um, I think actually just seeing that he was just very open um, about the fact that he'd lost his his late wife, Nicole, um, you know, was the thing that probably made me swipe whichever way you go. I can't remember whether it's right <laughs> or left. <laughs> but, yeah, swipe mm. the way that it did. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So, but it was also one of those things as well that in the March when we were meant to catch up for a coffee, mm. um before COVID like it you know I think like you said before about you know the right timing I'm very grateful that we probably didn't catch Mm, up then because yeah we were in very different places um I just want to jump back a little bit um where you were just talking about how Nick had put on his profile that he was a widower is is, guys are widowers aren't they I get confused I figured that out like six months ago I kept saying yeah so you're calling yourself a widow widow. I was like oh my god I didn't know I had to be so firm about it but yes um I think that's such a brave move and Mm. it is important I think as well because when you go through such a huge loss it does sort of become part of your identity in a sense as well Mm. and I don't know Nikki at what point when you went on dates with other people who hadn't experienced the loss of their partner at what point did you tell them that you were a widow how yeah how does how does that come up in conversation I think for me it came up very early on Um, as I said before because of the nature of what I started as my business with Mm. my news it's out there for the whole world to Mm. see on the internet um so people can read my story as to losing Mike to cancer um and it's such a big part of my life it's such a big you know, it was, it was definitely, yeah, it was, it changed my life. And so turning around and I, you know, I would, I'd mention it on the first day or actually even before the first day, it will be when we first be communicating, I'd actually say what had happened and that I'd lost Mike. Um, Because at the same time, if somebody didn't fully grasp or understand that or was willing to even listen, Mm. it wasn't worth my time. Yeah. 
and it sounds harsh, but <clears throat> that's what. Yeah, no, I think so. I I didn't initially have it in my profile when I first set it up, and then I found myself wanting to tell people as soon as you would match because I I sort of sat there like Nikki. It, it, it's a big part of who we are, and I'm a big believer that you know it's a famous saying that through tragedy you can be broken or broken open, right? Mm. We absolutely feel you on that one. Yeah, and I so I initially. Yeah, I didn't have it, but wanted to bring it up and talk about it. Um, and it was easier if you matched with someone that had um, children because you could sort of go, oh, what's your situation? Then they'd ask back and then you could sort of explain it. Mm-hmm. Just sort of just bringing it up out of the blue. And I was like, this is not, <laughs> it's a bit awkward, right? Um, and I remember sitting there with a mate in a pub and, and I said, you know what, I think I'm just going to include it in my profile. And he sort of he sat back and was like, really? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm. It's who I am. It, it's... It's part of, you know, this journey of life. And um, I, I, you know, I said one of the great benefits of these apps is you never know who said no. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of took that and was like, all right, well, if someone can't deal with it, it's then and there. I don't need to then deal with them, you know, once we've matched them working out if they can or can't deal with it, right? Let's just put it out there. I'll never know if you didn't swipe left or right, whatever it is. Um, and we'll just get on <laughs> And so I, it was probably the best thing. I, I think it was definitely the best thing I did because the, the, the girls I've matched with valued the honesty and often had the story themselves. I, I met a couple of other people been through exactly the same thing. And so you sort of built these friendships up, right? And you can almost, sort of weird to say, but I, in some, <laughs> upon reflection, probably use dating apps as a way of sort of grief, helping me through grief and, and being mm-hmm. at Nicole and the experiences we'd been through. So, yeah, I just found it sort of, almost liberating to be able to just get it out there and, and own up to, to this widower title and what I was and what life was. I'm curious to know, did you guys face any internal struggles when you did begin to date again? Yeah, so I definitely, um, yeah, that the feeling of guilt, absolutely, mm-hmm. um, hit me hard and, and it was like, is this too soon? And I sort of grappled with that. And I think I sort of, yeah, I downloaded the app and I think a couple of weeks had sort of deleted it. I was like, no, I'm not. Am I ready? Am I not? Am I, is it too soon? And then I sort of sat there and reflected on the conversations that I had with Nicole. And I just, I got comfortable because of the things we had discussed, right? Um, she was ill for sort of 15 months. And so we had very honest and open dialogue during that period of what life would look like. And I sort of sat there and just said, well, what would she say? right? As long as you're being honest, truthful, honest to yourself, you know, do what you need to do for you, right? Um, and that, that gave me the comfort. But I, I guess I, I confided in a couple of close friends. I wasn't sort of openly, I wasn't necessarily open with everyone um, because I was also, you know, grief's one of those funny things that everyone is at a different stage, that grief journey. Some people, you know, with both of our partners having cancer, that the grief for both of us started early on in the process when we were diagnosed, but for some people it happened later because they thought that it's going to get better. They maybe put their head in the sand. And so everyone's at that different stage. And so when they're willing to, I guess, take on that information, you're trying to please so many other people through this process. But at the end of the day, all your family and friends want is for you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Right? There is, um, I guess, a sense of relief when you're able to, to tell people, but yeah, that those internal struggles were, were absolutely there and it's not an easy one to work through but as I said I, I used to just sit there and think well, what did Nicole say and that's how I I sort of got through it yeah and I think my internal struggles like I definitely had them as well for sure um but mine were more around when I was like feeling happy or mm. if I you know just had moments like if I'd be out for dinner on a date and I'd be laughing and then I kind of go to the bathroom or whatever and feel guilty. I'd be like, oh, you know, like I'm happy and I'm having fun and, you know, like, is it too soon? And so I'd have the inner voice just, Mm. you know, chatting away at me or the thing on my shoulder just being like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, And that took a while. I really did, you know, and it was, but again, it was that thing of reflecting back each time and just being like, you know, Mike and I had these conversations and he wanted to see me happy. So, um, you know, and he wanted me to keep continuing my life and doing all the things that I loved. And so that's what I had to just keep on coming back to. 
One thing that we have heard from our listeners, it came up quite a lot when we were doing our outreach for this episode, uh, is the unsolicited opinions and advice from others when you decide to start dating again. And we'd love to know, how did you navigate telling people you were dating and how did you manage the expectations of others? So I, um, I'd love to turn around and say that I pick and choose who I told that I was dating, but, um, yeah, a lot of people had their opinions and some people would think that it was too soon. Um, others would just be like, I can remember one friend actually just being like, finally, like, you know, and I was just like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Do you know what I've just been through? And, Mm. um, And yeah, people, you know, people saying that they thought it was too soon, people just being like, oh, well, it's great that you've got over him now. I think Mm. that I got a few times that was really, I think it was really hurtful, but then now in hindsight, looking back at it, it also makes me realize that that's somebody that has not been through grief, um, Mm. that doesn't understand that, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't happen that way. You don't get over it. It's not no. a two week stint, is it? Some people genuinely no. think that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that was definitely, um, and I, I, I do feel that I lost some friends along the way. Um, unfortunately, I think some friends just didn't, yeah, they weren't on the journey with me and that's fine. Um, but yeah, you do really realise who, your friends are that support you and then you also realize that they're the ones that you're going to gravitate towards to talk about whatever's going on in your life so yeah I mean I was I was pretty fortunate in the sense that my close group of friends that I told were very very supportive um it was a it was a small group I I told them before I told my family um and and Nicole's family who I'm very very close with as well that, that was difficult telling them because I was just worried about how to tell them how they take it on. Um, but they were, they were amazing. I don't know why I ever thought there'd be anything but, but they were so supportive um, and wanted to sort of hear all about them. Nikki and talk us through who Nikki is and I knew she had big shoes to fill and all of that. But, you know, <laughs> um, it was just, yeah, they were very supportive. But I did, interestingly, um, with some of the people I'd matched with, um, girls would often say, oh, okay, what, you know, it was obviously in my profile that what I'd been through and sort of said, oh, when did you lose your wife? And I'd say, oh, you know, it was January um, and it might be it might be six, eight, nine months down from that. And the, the, the amount of them would sit there and say, isn't it too soon? And I used to always, I had one response for that. I said, if it's too soon for you because you can't take that on, that's that's fine, I get it. But if you're saying, is it too soon for me? You have no right to make that call. You have no yeah. idea what I've been through, all sorts of conversations I had with Nicole. And God forbid, I don't want you to ever go through that. I don't want anyone to, right? But you you can't make that call. Like, that's up to me. Like if someone else can't deal with it, that's I get it. But if it's it's up to us, we go through this, you know, um, individually, and we have to we have to work through that and work through the demons and you know, people unaware of some of the conversations you've, you've had with your late partner in the background. And so I found that that was hard. It is a, it's a, it's not an easy subject and particularly people who haven't been through it. I think it's, it's very, very difficult to sort of grapple with and provide support to someone that is going through it because it's, it's awkward. It's not an easy thing to talk about. A big part of meeting someone after a loss can be explaining it to your children um, so, Nick, I'm curious to know how mm. you approach that conversation with Xander and also what advice you might have for others who may be wanting to introduce their children to a new partner. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Um, so I think, so Nikki met Xander in, you say, Feb this year. So he yeah. was three and a bit. Um, so I think some of this is very age-dependent. The children okay so we've been dating for a couple of months and I had been thinking about introducing Nikki to Xander um and I you know we had a conversation about it and we talked about what we wanted from life on the term and we we're both on the same page about wanting children something I talked to Nicole about she wanted siblings for Xander and 
Um, so we talked about some of that, and I think I was we we're getting breakfast one morning. And I said, yeah. So you up for meeting <laughs> Xander in a couple of weeks? And you were like, uh, Yeah, if you are. And I'm like, Yeah, I, I I think I'm ready for this. And we both individually we see psychs, um, seeing our fair share of psychologists <laughs> through, through our grieving process. Us uh, too. It's yeah, got to be done. <laughs> it has to be done exactly. And um, I'd spoken to my psych, and I was pretty comfortable because I I guess you know, given what we've been through, we all of us know how um, how finite life is, right? And we're here to live. And I was aware that Nikki was seeing me as sort of the the um, single widower, right? And and not as a father. And he's mine all the time, right? There's no sort of co-parenting or any of that. He's with me all the time. And mm. as if if we're going down this together, he's he's part of that, right? Um, and you know, I guess I just had a view, you know, we're not getting any, we're not getting any younger and I'd hate for us to go, you know, eight, nine months, 12 months down and then sort of bring Nikki, bring Xander into the fold with Nikki and it just, you to go, look, it's too much for me or, or Xander not to respond um, the way I thought he would, which was great. But, you know, just something not to, and it's like, well, hang on, like we've just wasted, you know, both of our time through this. Um, but there was a real, I guess we were, one big benefit was his age, right? He was he was three. He wasn't six, seven, or eight, where those conversations are harder. So it was yeah. Is Nikki? It's a friend of dad's, and we just we did it in a park, neutral setting, not at home. Um, Nikki bought a toy along, so she, straight away she was his best mate. Um, <laughs> Want him over? <laughs> <laughs> he still remembers it's it's, it's yeah. a bath toy now. Yeah. Um, but he and then and gradually from there, and then Nikki would come over for dinner, but she didn't stay. And then over time, it then became. And I remember the night that I said, you know, Nikki's going to stay over and she's going to stay in, in daddy's bedroom. And he was like, okay. And we spoke to our psychs before. We'd like had <laughs> weeks of just, you know, contemplating like how, how this, this is going to pan out. Yeah. Spoken to our psychologist about yeah. it a couple of times. Yeah. You guys are incredible. You sound like <laughs> you did absolutely all the right things. Well, <laughs> Well, we, we it was we just funny. We we well, it was funny because I said I said to my psych, you know, he comes in in the morning and he jumps into bed like he's very good sleeper, but he'll come in at six in the morning when he wakes, he'll jump into bed, and I'm just worried about he's going to kick want to kick Nikki out of the room because it's his bed, and I sort of said to him, you know, all right, and he's like, I'll show you where you got to put your bags. So he showed Nikki up to the room and where to put her bags, and the next morning, and he said that night before he goes, I'm going to come in in the morning and I want to go on that side. And I was like, okay, so you're going to be next to Nikki and I'm going to be on the other side. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. Oh. Woke up the next morning, he came in and we both sort of looked at each other like, how's this going to go? Just got in, laid next to Nikki's and just sort of started telling us a story about something. I'm like, oh, I don't know why we were fretting so much. You know, oh, I love that. Kids are, um, kids are awfully resilient. They're far more resilient than we are, right? And we don't give kids enough credit for that and we also don't give them enough time to discuss and explore their own feelings and ask questions around grief and we talk about um, Nicole all the time right my sole goal in life is ensuring Xander remembers how beautiful his mum was and so we always talk about her um, and it's it's so important because not many of us have a memory from when we were two right which is when he lost his mum and so I'm I'm building i I understand that I'm building that memory of his mum over time, even now, right? Because we'll look at videos of, of mum and things like that. And it's, it's just, it's lovely to be able to share that with Nikki, who's able to engage in that. Um, but yeah, he was, he was amazing. He sort of just got on board with it. Yeah. And at the time, Nikki was still living at her place. And so he'd go <laughs> over there and he had a room set up for him, which he just took ownership of. He just was like, that's my room. And um, he thought it was great. He's like, we've got a holiday house. You know, we spend the week here and then we go to Nikki's on the weekend. This is great. But again, my psychologist gave some really yeah. good tips of, you know, like suggested about taking that toy for the initial meeting. Yeah. So it kind of gave us something to talk about, even mm. though, you know, it didn't have to be about him or I. Um, but then even when he came over to my place, like it was having a space for him. Mm. So he had his bedroom. I got him like a little cushion because his nickname's Panda. So it was like this Panda cushion and, um, and all those kind of things just really mm. helped because it made him feel that it was his space as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, my psychologist always, and my psychologist said that with kids, they just want to see their parents happy. Yeah. Um, and as much as obviously, you know, depending on the age and things you 
that there can be a very big journey to get to that happiness mm. um for that child to ultimately see you happy rather than sat in your room crying every day mm. is going to be better for them i think the only the only other piece of advice as well which also came from my psych was around ensuring that nikki was building a bond with xander without me right because he was so he was very reliant on me daddy i want this daddy 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 right because that's all he had and so all of a sudden nikki was in our life and and i and i found it hard at times because you know we'd be doing the bedtime routine or the bath routine and i'd just go into all right it's time for a bath got to get him fed and i just go into sort of autopilot mode and i found myself and I think it was difficult for Nikki at times because she didn't want to intrude on that time that we had together, but equally I wanted her to be involved through that process. And I think over time we managed to sort of carve out more time for Nikki just to have one-on-ones with Xander. So, you know, once a week they go out and have their time because my psych was like, he wants you because he sees you as fun and all these other things. He needs to see Nikki less as a threat to his stability and more as she's fun too. She might yeah. I'm the new dad right so you know all of a sudden they've built this special bond up and then he wants her to be part of our life right so it's actually now that takes time right that's not something you do straight away but it's those little steps over time and you're expecting a baby which is so <laughs> exciting and you're due in about four weeks so by the time this yep. episode goes to air <laughs> Skittle will be Earthside, which is really exciting. Um, could you talk us through how you broke the, the exciting news to Xander? How did you manage that conversation? Oh, this is funny. We have a video for this one. So we, um, we, <laughs> I'd had a conversation with Xander, or he'd raised it with me at bedtime about, he was about six weeks pregnant at the time, and he didn't know um, that she was pregnant. He said, Daddy, I really want a, I really want a baby and a dog. And I was like, no, what do you say? I really want to buy a baby and a dog. And in my mind, I was like, well, you're going to get one of them and you don't have to pay for it. Um, and uh, so it got to sort of 12 weeks and scans were all clear. And we're like, okay, we're going to tell him, we're going to tell him. And so we, um, he goes to this sort of soccer thing on a Saturday morning and we showed up there and we said, we've got some news for you. He said, yeah, I said, and Nikki was sort of filming. I said, remember how you said you wanted a bubba and a, and a dog? He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, well, there's a bubba in Nikki's belly. And he sort of looks at Nikki, <laughs> looks back at me and goes, but where's the dog, Dad? <laughs> and then, Brilliant. Um, and then yeah. sort of, yeah, typical response from a four-year-old, right? And then he looks back and he goes, but how does it come out? And we're like, no, that's for another. Yeah. Like, um, but he, and then I said, you know, we just went from there. How do you feel about being a big brother? And um, he was just very, very excited. And initially he's like, I want a, I want a brother. I want a boy, you know, and then all of a sudden it changed to, I want a sister. And um, we went out shopping, some Christmas shopping the other day, and um, we got him to buy Skittle a toy so he could feel like he's part of that. And also um, I think one of both of our psychs would recommend getting like something for him, like a doll or something that he could play with or a toy that he could play with when we were having to do something with Skittle that was his time to do something whether that's like you know changing a nappy on a doll or whatever it might be he could be part of the same sort of thing but have something to go to because things are going to change he's not going to be getting all the attention right and um that's not an easy thing but he yeah he's very very excited he's very excited and i think you know he is so resilient like he's such an amazing little boy that has been through a lot very very young you know and mm. to have gone through everything that he's gone through but he yeah you know he's had a lot of change this year like he's mm. got a, a little sibling coming I've moved in um you know yeah his life has changed I think when we've spoken about this before like it is I think one of the things that we we're not concerned about but is definitely going to be at the back of our mind is just how people like his friends around him or how yeah. the kids at daycare are going to be around him because that's obviously an area that we haven't got the control over um in terms of how other kids react or how other kids react to grief and mm. how their parents have brought them up to react to grief um so you know I know that he's had a few comments at school already mm. but you know Xander's a blonde-haired blue-eyed very pale skin child <laughs> which I'm obviously not um you know so there's a potential that Skittle is going to look different to him 
Um, so having a sibling that isn't going to look exactly like him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, kids, you know, bringing up the like your mummy's not here kind of thing and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the things outside of your control are hard because, yeah, we did hear that, that one of the kids had sort of said, oh, your mummy's on a different planet. And he was like, that's not a nice thing to say. And we sort of talked about it. And, um, you know, initially when he joined, we, we um, made the move to this daycare and they've been wonderful. I, I sort of I told them the story. They knew the situation and they were like, oh, and I said, look, my worry's not about Xander. He's fine. He understands more about death than most adults, right? He's... he's amazing my worry is the other three four five-year-olds that have not experienced any level of grief because what he's going to say right is confronting he's fine it's everyone else around right mm. to come to grips with it and need the support and if there's anything we can do to help have the conversations with their parents to help them through it because it's not it's not easy and it's as we said it's not comfortable but over time as Nikki said with a little one coming to the world it's going to look different and um, you know, he still calls Nikki Nikki, but that may change to mum because the word mum's going to come up a lot more in our household now. Nikki's going to be a mum. And so if he starts calling a mum, you can see how kids be like, well, that doesn't look like your mum. That's not your mum. You know, all of these sort of things. And it's it's hard because it's, as Nikki said, it's outside your control. You can control what's in your home and all of that. But kids can be kids and he's going to have to deal with those comments throughout his life. And I guess we just do the best we can as parents to sort of... Um, you know, teach what's what's right, what's wrong. Um, and and I know that he yeah, he's amazingly resilient. He's got those beautiful attributes from his mum, and that will make sure, you know, that will ensure he he's fine. He'll he'll just be fine. It sounds like you have both done an incredible job with him. I know it it mustn't be easy. Um, but I think, yeah, from what we have learned doing the work that we do, it's best to just be as straightforward as possible mm. with children and use really yeah. concrete words when explaining death, death to them. And yeah. I think it's not until you go through it or, you know, a child mm. is faced with that, that they learn about it. So like you said, it's the other kids around him that aren't going to mm. know how to handle that situation. Absolutely. The, blunt, the bluntness is really important. That's something I, I sort of you know, went into this depth of wanting to better understand grief after Nicole passed and thankfully had read some things. And, um, yeah, you do you do need to be awfully blunt with them. You know, saying mummy, mummy went during the night, went where? Or even mummy went to heaven. It's also not helpful. To a, a three-year-old, heaven's just another suburb. Mm. Right? It's mummy has died and gone to heaven. And the first time you say those words, it's not easy, right? But that gets easier over time but the first yeah. time is hard it's confronting but yeah you do have to be very very blunt with them and um i mean they can also be very funny right some of the things they, they <laughs> he, he and his uh his little cousin i still remember um they were catching up and so this is nicole's sister's kids and um patty came in he said oh and then something came up he said your mummy your mummy died and zen went yeah he's like zen is like yeah she's in heaven he's like yeah um and then all of a sudden they're like, should we play, um, uh, what were they play? Like, I think it was, bad. I can't remember. It was like, let's go play cops and robbers or something. Like <laughs> but they straight away just changed the subject. And I was like, and Katrina and I, Nicole's sister, were at the door sort of watching and it was like, where's this going? And I was just like, that's kids, right? Yeah. Like, they do. Um, but that was really a really important interaction, right? And he said it. Sandy confirmed it. Yep, that's right. And, you know, we talk about mummy. She's the element. She's the wind. She's the rain. She's, you know, the butterflies. The butterflies. There's mummy, you know. Mm. She sent the rain. Mummy sent the rain. Yep, that's right. You know, so they're important interactions, but we need to give kids that time to explore some of that and not be afraid of them exploring it. And I think when they are older, like, you know, going back to uh, the question that you asked hours ago, it feels like, um, yeah, when they're a little bit older, I think it is also just allowing them to ask questions mm. and to to talk about it, to talk about why they're uncomfortable or why it's upsetting them, et cetera, and things like that. Because if you, yeah, it, it's, it's all those unknowns or like not talking about it, but that's when I do feel kids or adults can actually really struggle um, with the conversations and with everything that goes on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Nikki, I did want to ask you because you've done such a, a wonderful job filling this role and we can imagine it's not easy, but for anyone listening who perhaps doesn't have the experience of loss that you have as well, how can they build the relationship with the child? Like, do you, when you're with Xander yourself, do you talk about Nicole a lot? I know you said, you know, Nick, that you like to mention Nicole a lot in Xander's life, but how, how do you navigate that? Um, I think, to be honest, I talk to him like I would any human being, whether they're four or whether they're 40. Yeah. We, you know, we have conversations, we'll be out in the garden and we'll see two butterflies and, you know, we'll kind of just, he'll be like, oh, there's mummy, but you know, there's mummy butterfly. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's another one. I'm like, maybe it's my mummy. Maybe, do you think they're hanging out? And we'll kind of just, because he, as much as he never met my mum, he knows that I lost my mum, mm. you know, and he also knows that I lost mine. And there's pictures around the house. We, you know, he'll, he'll bring out a photo album and like show me the photo album and I'll ask him questions and things. And I'm, I'm not afraid to kind of say her name. I'm not mm. afraid to talk about her or ask, you know, and sometimes he'll just be like, I really miss mummy. Um, and, you know, and I allow him to explore that and talk about that instead mm. of just changing the subject. Um, but, you know, it is, I think quite early on, we were very, Nick and I were very open about, you know, just things about like disciplining um, Xander and things like that. Like mm. if he does something that, you know, is naughty or whatever. Um, so he does see me as more, of that kind of figure yeah and we've had the conversations about you know like I'm Nikki but if he wants to call me mummy he can call me mummy and but it's okay if he doesn't want to and things so yeah the idea you know because you know to an adult that's a that's a hard one like oh but hang on it's like stop Mm. he just has two mums one here one in heaven it's not any more complicated than that for a four-year-old right but he sometimes he's like yeah no I want two mummies and then other days he's like I think I just want the one okay mate (laughs) get through this but I think he'll once he hears mum the, the word mum a lot more in the household once Skittle comes into the world I think that that may change but we'll, we'll see we've sort of left that up to him but I think engaging in you know Nikki engaging in Xander and my past and talking about Nicole and me engaging in Nikki's past with Mike is ensures that their their legacy lives on right they're, they're who we are and I I sort of found this um you know during you know when I was dating last year was that you would find people that would accept your past but it was you know Nikki was the first person I met that truly engaged in my past right mm-hmm. to ask questions like when you lose someone you don't want to you, you obviously you never forget them right and you want to talk about them to so engage ask some questions right like the amount of times we'll sit there and we're eating something and I'll be like did Mike like this you're like yeah he loves spicy food and you're like that's right he would have loved this meal you know or mm-hmm. Nicole do this or and you're like yeah actually or Nicole was like this when she was pregnant with Xander what's Skittle doing at the moment you know so they come up every day just in conversation um and that's really important and that's what you want right and also I think you know there's been the occasions where I'll do something or I'll just look at Nick and just be like oh, I can't believe you just said that and he's just like that is something Nicole would have done to a tea like <laughs> I know to some people, you know, even some of your listeners right now, they'd be like, whoa, that's just a bit too much. But, you know, I also like it because it gets me to, it helps me understand her Mm. personality. Like Mm. when I see Xander then doing that, I'm like, (laughs) ah, that's where he got that from. Um, And so, yeah, we, we probably are more comfortable with grief and talking about Mm. our late partners than other people are. Um, But at the same time, like Nick said, you know, their legacy is going to live on with us forever, um, you know, and beyond kind of thing. And so we just want to, um, acknowledging them every day is part of our grief. Mm. And that's a, uh, that leads me on to a question for you both. If someone listening here is, um, 
is is dating um, a widow or a widower and they haven't experienced that loss themselves like mm. what can they do if they want to sort of acknowledge the person who has passed what can they do to kind of integrate that because I appreciate that yeah not everyone may be so mm. comfortable with talking about grief or even know where to start as we know it's it can often be the elephant in the room Mm. so yeah what can people do if if they want to start approaching the person you know talking about the person who's died look I think almost just saying what you just said right saying look I I want to know more but I don't know how to ask it I've never been through it it's not comfortable but it's important and this is me being vulnerable and you know, do you want to share? And they often do, right? The vast majority of people do, right? And you, you sort of want them to share. I think at the point you're asking, you know, they probably do want to share, but you're just trying to figure out how to ask. But I think just framing it that way and then just letting it go and they'll talk and you'll be able to ask questions, right? Yeah. Um, ask them the, just the thing, like, where did you go on holiday? What was a favourite holiday or what was his favourite meal? Or what? And you start to get a picture of it and that, and it's important often for that person to share that story. And they probably, they really do want to share it, but they've been, the other side going I don't know if you're ready to hear it and I think it's just saying I want to know more I don't know how to ask help me right or yeah. side together go see a psych beforehand about you know ways in which you could frame that question um, but I think just being just really open and honest and brave right that's what it is and yeah and if you know if that person does feel that they want to hear more about you know that person's life before they, they met this new person in their life is also just allowing like acknowledging and just going you know I know that you had this life before you know with your partner and, and I want to learn about it but I want to learn about it when you're ready as well when you're ready to share yeah. um you know and kind of just putting the cards on the table and just being like I'm ready to listen when you want to open up about it I think that point that you just made about um if someone is a widow or a widower knowing that it is okay to do the things that you did with your partner or your spouse take them to the places if you're dating again don't shy away from it know that it's mm. okay because I think there may be a sort of hesitancy sometimes or mm. you know that feeling like we don't want to seem like we're trying to replace that person who mm. is no longer with us so I think that's a really really important point and um we put a shout out on our Instagram um, to our community to see if they have any questions for you both um, and Im, I'm going to let you ask this one which was quite a common question that we got wasn't it yes so a lot of people w wrote into us wanting to know how they can support someone so whether it be their parent their sibling or their friend who are looking to find love again like how can they best be there for them when when that time is right Oh, thanks. <laughs> I would say as long as the, the, the friend or the family member or whatever is comfortable, it's just actually being a listening ear mm. or um, being a support to them. Um, you know, like obviously they are if they're asking these questions, but mm. um, just, yeah, kind of like, you know, wanting to be part of the process. Like, yeah. I can remember some of my friends just being like, can I have a look at like who's on this dating app? Like, can I swipe for you? And I'd be like, no, but you can have a look. Um, yeah, my mates would always pinch my phone. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, just asking or, you know, being involved in just like, oh, I, I can remember one of my friends was great and just being like, I went to this really cool bar last night. Like next time that, you know, you go on one of these dates, like maybe you should go there. It was actually really fun. And mm. it was kind of just her taking an interest, but not so much being intrusive, mm. but she was kind of just like giving her own little bit of advice that was just really, really nice. Um, yeah, I, I think I just think, yeah, engaging and, and asking and being like, hey, how... Yeah, I know you're working through this, but you want to you want to talk about it? How are you finding it? Is it um, have you met anyone? How is it sort of talking to them about what you've been through? Um, what about their stories? Have you met anyone interesting? Have they been through something similar? And I guess just starting to open it up, but doing it in a as Nikki said, I think that that careful balance between wanting to say something, being not too intrusive about it, um, 
because some people will want to share a lot and some people may not want to share. And so I think getting that that balance right. Mm, that's a really so good one point. One thing that I did find was my friends that would share their horror stories. <laughs> I didn't like that so much. Mm. That was me personally. But yeah, when they were just like, yeah, they yeah. talk about some of the dates they've been on, and I'd be like, "Oh God, what am I doing?" Um, not helpful. Not helpful. At <laughs> Don't all. share your horror date stories. Yeah. No, um, no. But um, we did when we were talking about this before. We were kind of just saying, um, we've definitely got some things not to say. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go. go. <laughs> Tell us what do you. Yeah. It's so helpful to the, know what the, do you not say. The knots. Um. So one of them was obviously your friends and your family want to see you happy. Mm. Um. But turning around and saying things like, "It's so great to see you smile again." Um. Mm. I can't even put a finger on why it's so frustrating. But it's really frustrating. That's um, interesting. I feel like that's something I, I'd probably <laughs> say to someone. Well, I'm sure I'm sure I've said it before going through it. But yeah. You know, today. And it's like, I remember having this moment the first time I think I heard it from someone. And I think it was a, a family member. And I remember thinking, was I that unhappy last year? I'm like, no, I, I wasn't. I was quite happy. Um, was in a different phase. Navigating just different. life. I was just navigating life. Yeah. But it was okay. Like you guys may not have been, but I was sort of getting like, I was, you know, and it was sort of like, it's okay. You know, just because we're grieving, grief doesn't mean sadness. Right. And I think for many people that they associate them as being very similar, you can be happy and grieving, right? Yeah. That's right. You're remembering these wonderful things about the people you've lost. So you can be very happy and grieving. And so I think for some people, they associate grief and loss with just sadness. And then, oh, you'd have to find love again to be happy. And it's like, mm, it's really nice to find love again, but you don't have to, to be happy. Um, and I guess that comment sort of also makes it about them. It's like, mm. it's it's good to see you happy. And it's like, why does it make you feel better mm. that you don't have to be uncomfortable <laughs> with my sadness? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And mm. just back onto the, the point around being there for somebody who, you know, has decided that the time is right to start dating again. We actually had a listener reach out to us to say that she was feeling a lot of disbelief and anger at her dad expressing that he wanted to start dating again, almost a year after her mum had died suddenly. Um, and she asked us if we'd share this with our community members, which we did. Um, and the overall consensus from our community was it is so lonely when you lose your person and there is a deep hole. And ultimately, what we all crave is companionship. And it doesn't mean that the person who's died means any less. And so instead of feeling hurt that he's replacing her mum, see it that he's never going to replace her mum but it but try and approach it from a place of compassion that it can be really hard to navigate life alone and um our listener actually reached out to us to say that that feedback really helped her understand mm. and look at it from her dad's perspective with more mm. understanding so just coming from a place of compassion is is so important isn't it when you're supporting someone who mm. is deciding to to, to date again yeah we've We've talked about this, you know, it's probably at the dinner table because we have these conversations all the time. <laughs> but um, the it's very different for Nick and I that have lost our partners mm. and, you know, finding kind of finding love again. Um, but for someone that has lost their daughter or their son or, you know, their mum or their dad. Um, or sister or brother. Or yeah, you know, yeah, like you can't you know, you're not going to go on a, an, an app to find a new brother or sister, or, you know, it's mm. kind of, and it is mm. like, you know, that person isn't going to, yeah, they're, they're not going to be replaced, like replaced is the wrong word, mm. but it, it is a very different thing. So even for your listener, you know, for her, her dad that had, you know, found a new partner and things, he is, he's navigating, you know, that and, like the new happiness in his life and he will always remember his mm. wife mm. but for her she and you know it's the same as with myself and with you like your mum can never be replaced mm. it like 
it, it's always your mum's always not going to be there yeah so um I think sometimes it is that acknowledgement as well yeah. that people are grieving differently mm-hmm. because they're grieving for a different person as well yeah that's right um you know even when you lose a friend like you're you're losing yeah you're losing a friend like you can make new friends but it, it's very different yeah Yes, and I, I was thinking about this earlier, Nick, when you were saying that psychologists, your psychologist said that kids just ultimately want to see their parents happy. Mm. And I think, you know, when you are a bit older to fully understand the scope of the situation that's happening when your surviving parent does start dating again, I don't think it's necessarily that you don't want them to be happy. I just think mm. as we get older, you know, things just become so much more complicated. And like mm. you said, Nikki, like we we can't go out and find out another mum for us on an app. Like, and there's, mm. so there's probably a lot of mixed emotions that come mm. up with that, um, which I think is really important to highlight. It's got nothing to do with people not wanting their parents to be happy and, and just acknowledging those emotions that come up too because mm. death is really uncomfortable and so many emotions arise but they're all normal as well so I think just letting yourself off the hook a bit too when you do feel anger or resentment or any of those um, emotions as well is important yeah and I can remember very early on when I lost my seeing a couple together holding hands um you know like looking into each other's Mm. eyes at a restaurant god I just wanted to like scream (laughs) and run away and just you know or just be like you don't know how good you've got it and like I had that mm. uh, um oh, yeah yeah absolutely I had the same thing I remember being in a, <laughs> I remember being in a park and watching this beautiful couple with like a two-year-old and it was about a month after Nicola passed and had gone away with mum and dad and um with Xander now pushing their little um, two-year-old on a swing neither of them on their phone engaging and playing with the child most beautiful thing I was ready to go and hit the dad. The <laughs> reason I was just like, I hate that. Person. And I remember sitting, I actually walked away and had this moment of like, why am I so angry? Because I sat there and was like, you know, to most people would be like, oh, but you know, Nicole's not there with you. Nicole hadn't been there. She was too ill, right? She was basically um, wheelchair or bed bound for 12 months of her illness. And I was sitting there going, but the amount of times I went to the park with Jacinda, what, like, why am I? I was trying to uncover it. And I sat there in my sight and she said, yeah, but each time you went to the park when Nicole was ill, what did you do when you came home? And I said, I'd sit there and tell Nicole about our experience in the park. She said, yeah, mm. more to talk to. You need to start talking to her more. So, we, you know, you start to go on this and you're like, right, okay. And But it was sort of, yeah, anger's, you, you can't avoid it. I think you get it. It comes in phases. We know, that, you know, the five stages of grief, David Kessler's book, but it's not linear. You get different parts at different times. And I think, um, as you said, Imogen, I think just giving yourself a bit of a break it's okay to feel that way at times, right? As long as it's not constantly, it's okay to feel that at times. It's it's very normal. Or controlling the anger, yeah. you know, like hitting people. But, <laughs> Find uh, a healthy outlet. Find yeah, a yeah. healthy outlet. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely just having that, um, yeah, just acknowledging that that anger can, you know, like I, I get angry mm. that my mum's not here. Mm. That will probably continue on for the rest of my life, especially for the fact now that I'm about to be a mum and, you know, I'm going to want to ask her a lot, a lot of questions. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and it mm. is, it's that thing of just, um, and I think also for the people around you to acknowledge that, that anger will come up. And I, going back to when we were saying about the things not to say, I think that's where it does frustrate me a little bit because you know, the whole, it's so great to see you smile again, or it's so great to see you happy again. In a way, it kind of made me feel like I couldn't have those sad moments again, or I couldn't mm. have those anger moments again. Yes, because it minimizes it, doesn't it? Yep. It yeah. feels like they're sort of saying, it's great to see you happy again. Please don't be sad around me. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a wonderful Ted talk by a lady called uh, Nora McInery and, um, she loses her dad and her um, husband in a very short period of time. And she talks That's about right. we never move on, we move forward. Mm. 
said that her whole family, she met a new partner and they were like, oh, great. So good that you finally met someone that, that they almost, so many people view it as, okay, you had this life, right? And then you've now got this new life, right? We just leave all that stuff behind. We talk about it. It's fine. It's done. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm. This doesn't determine who we're going to be, but it shapes who we are right now experiences and they'll always be part of who we are right and hence the need for this person to engage with your past and all of that but yeah it just stuck with me that yeah we never move on we move forward thank you for taking the time to talk to us it's been so insightful and I've actually really enjoyed this conversation so it was lovely to chat with you both thank you, thank you. <laughs> with you guys as well that taught me so much and to be honest I'm just so grateful for Nick and Nikki's perspective like it's just yeah it was such a such an insightful conversation wasn't it Sal? It really really was and guys we hope that wherever you're tuning in from that this conversation resonated or it might help you in some way if you're supporting somebody who's widowed or uh, looking for love again and if you know somebody that might benefit from listening to this um, episode or might find some relatability or comfort then please do share. Don't forget to keep an eye out for our affirmation cards dropping next week. And until next time, guys, we'll see you soon. See you soon, guys. Bye.